Hey everybody, this is Valencia Page. And this is Justin Kane. And we are your hosts of Keys and Cocktails. And today we have a very special guest, Brian Cook, President's Club Mortgage Banker with Quicken Loans. Today we'll be drinking a whiskey by Detroit City Distillery, Butcher's Cup Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Yes. It's a great, smooth whiskey. We've kind of tried it, and I'm, I'm loving it. It has yeah. a kick. Yeah, it definitely does. And, of course... Fago, Detroit Original. Oh, Can't yeah. Forget the Can't forget no. the Fago. Had to pair with the Fago. <laughs> we got vanilla cream and rock and rye. Yes. Would have had great, but I don't know if it would have tasted good with whiskey. Yeah. They didn't have the Coke with the cool bottles like this, but it is what it is. Yes. Rye is always <laughs> a good call for the whiskey. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> And you and I have done, you know, quite a few deals together. So I wanted you to come on to speak uh, just a little bit about, you know, the mortgage process, the overview of the mortgage process, in and outs, what clients can, you know, expect, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, the mortgage process is pretty simple. A lot of people think that it's like this long, drawn out, like tedious process, but it's really not. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, it all starts with the first step, which is a pre-qualification, right? So. Go over basic things such as your credit. We'll talk a little bit about income. Go over assets, so what you've got saved up. And really just explore your goals and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do uh, mortgage-wise, whether it's the location, the price range. And then we take those things and customize an entire mortgage solution uh, based on your situation. Okay. Um, so that part of it is, is the fun part is it gives us an opportunity to kind of like craft and like find ideas and, and make it really like pinpoint for the client. Right, right. So, uh, Brian, just how long have you been doing mortgages? How long have you been in the industry? Uh, so going on 10 years. Okay. Um, I started with Quick in July of 2011 okay. and uh, going on 10 years. So okay. excited about it. Awesome, awesome, yeah. And, you know, again, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on and speak is because, you know, we've done business together and my clients, they, they love working with you. I mean, they love the fact that you couldn't, communicate well with them. Um, I mean, you're very, very, very helpful throughout the whole process, not just to me, but like I said, just to the clients as well. Um, so, you know, I know the first step for us and what Valencia and I always say is that uh, you need to get pre-approved exactly. before we go uh, looking for a home. So just let's go a little bit more into that process, the pre-approval process. Like, what do you look at? You know, credit score, all that. Yeah, absolutely. So at Quicken, we kind of have a two-step process. So we got the pre-qualification, and then we do something called a verified approval now. Right. Uh, the pre-qualification is just a phone call mm -hmm. in which we pick up or take a look at the credit. Um, normally, 620 is where you want to be credit-wise. There are some programs where we can go as low as 580. Um, so it's literally just that. And then we would talk about your income. So what you do for a living, how long you've been at your job, um, how much you make income wise. Okay. And that part really determines the amount. So a big misconception is people think that the credit score determines the amount. It's right. not necessarily that. So people with 850 credit scores, if you know, they don't make a decent income, you know, it depends on the amount of house that you're going to be able to buy. Got it. Um, okay. So if I have an 850 and I only make $20,000 a year, I can't go out and buy a million dollar house. No, not at, all. <laughs> not at all. People will tell you that credit is everything and it's a huge part of it, yeah. but it's not the end all be all. Um, we look at something called a debt to income ratio, mm -hmm. which is how we determine the amount that you can qualify. So for those that don't know what a debt to income ratio is, we look at your monthly income. So let's say you make $120 a year, or $120,000 a year, I should say. I hope nobody makes $120,000 a year. <laughs> $120,000 a year, yeah. you basically would divide that, and that's $10,000 a month. 
Okay. So when it comes to your debt to income ratio for most programs, FHA, uh, you can go up to 55%, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that you make $10,000 a month, including the debts on your credit report and the new mortgage can only be 5,500. So 55% of your income on a monthly basis. Okay. Um, some other programs such as VA will go up to 60%. So if you're a military veteran, they give you a little bit of special treatment. Um, and then conventional loans usually cap out at about 50%. So okay. there's uh, literally options for almost everybody when it comes to purchasing a home. Awesome. Well, I know one of the most frequently asked questions that we get is the differentiation, differ the differentiation between each loan. Um, whether it be an FHA loan or a VA loan or a conventional loan. I wanted to know if you could kind of break that down for us. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start with FHA. That's usually what most first-time homebuyers go with. Right. Um, and the reason why is it's a government-backed program. So the government is all about helping people get into homes. So the restrictions and guidelines are a little bit less strenuous from a qualifying standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to a conventional, which is private investors. So FHA, uh, usually you can do 3.5% down. FHA is also the program that I was telling you guys about where you can go as low as 580 um, and the higher debt to income ratio. So you've got FHA, I would say about 90% of first time home buyers usually go with an FHA loan just because it's easy to get in. Mm -hmm. And um, I usually tell people like it's a stepping stone. So you use FHA to get into the house, less cash out of pocket, lower credit restrictions, uh, higher debt to income, but eventually you want to get into a conventional loan. Mm -hmm. So conventional loans, 620 minimum credit score, um, depending on your credit score, will determine the amount that you need to put down. And that can range anywhere from 3% if you're a first-time homebuyer, uh, anywhere up to 20%. Mm -hmm. uh, conventional loans are going to be good for people who are a little bit more established credit-wise, um, people who are buying second homes or investment properties or things of that sort are always going to go with a conventional loan. Right. Uh, personally, I have a conventional loan. It's the way to go. You get lower PMI. Um, it's just an overall better long-term program. Mm -hmm. And then we have the VA loan, which is used for our veterans. So if you're a military veteran, you can do 100% financing. You don't have to have a down payment. They also allow for 60% uh, debt-to-income ratio. So that helps a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. uh, but once again, that's only for veterans. So that's a huge, huge inch there. Right, right. Now... I know I have like a, some quite frequently I get FHA loans or clients that have FHA, FHA loans. Uh, what are some things that you can say that uh, FHA looks for? So FHA looks for, you mean from a, a home process? Correct. The house itself? Mm -hmm. Okay. So with FHA, the house needs to be move-in ready. Mm -hmm. There can't be any like major issues in regards to like huge renovations needed, holes in the walls, any of those things. The FHA, since it's a government-backed program, they want to make sure that the home is safe and like livable and moving ready. Right. Doesn't have to be the prettiest house. Doesn't have to be up to date, but it needs to be at least to a point where you can move in. Oh, I and, say like uh, safety and soundness. Yep, safety and soundness. So yep. they're gonna look at things like the roof. How much life does the roof have? Mm -hmm. uh, are the utilities working? Um, is the electricity up to code? Mm -hmm. um, any major leaks or water issues or problems that are gonna come about? Mm -hmm. So FHA cares more so about that as opposed to conventional. Conventional will take a little bit of fixing up, like it doesn't have to be in immaculate condition, but once again, those are, are backed by private investors so they can kind of make their own guidelines, make their own rules in regards to the condition of the home. Mm -hmm. What about in regards to the appraisals? Oh, appraisal wise, yeah. So FHA, when it comes to the appraisal, um, definitely needs to be in good condition. A lot of times we'll have 
some clients or sellers that don't want to accept FHA appraisals. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times it's just because the house is not up to code or it's not in the, the position that it needs to be in mm -hmm. um, to be able to pass that. So the FHA appraisal is going to be not, I don't want to say it's very strenuous, but it is a position where they're going to care a lot more about certain things than a conventional loan. Right. Um, sometimes on a conventional loan, you're going to be able to get what's called a, a PIW, which is a property inspection waiver where there's no appraisal needed. Mm -hmm. um, and the industry is so different now, especially with COVID, they're doing things that I've never seen. So for instance, when we spoke about FHA and talking about how meticulous they are in the appraisal, I've had some clients where the appraiser will just ask the, the client or the realtor to take pictures of certain things and they'll determine the condition of the home or the value of the home based on the pictures mm. as well as based on like the comps in the area and things of that sort. So right, right. those are, are some huge wins. It, it sucks that it's during COVID, but they have to get creative and have to find ways to, to help people get in the home. So that right. makes the process a little bit easier. Right, right. I've been seeing a lot more desktop appraisals now mm -hmm. that the appraisers stay at home and just look at the comps from their yep. computer and don't necessarily come out to the house. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that helps us out from a lot from a lender perspective is the desktops because the major number one reason like a house where a deal falls through once an offer is accepted is the appraisal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we're able to get a desktop appraisal done, which is what we as a lender would always want, mm -hmm. um, that's what we're going to go for first. If the appraiser can't get enough information or can't do what they need to do from a desktop, they'll do what's called a drive-by mm -hmm. where they'll drive by the house. Literally they might walk around, take pictures, look at the exterior and those things, but it's very, it's, it's least in, or less invasive, I guess I should say um, to, to the client. Mm -hmm. And then as a, a worst case scenario, what we're doing right now is the actual full appraisal where they have to go into the house. They have yeah. to, you know, check things out and things of that sort. So we as a lender always try the, uh, least invasive or less invasive uh, tactics. So we'll always ask for a desktop, uh, then we'll go for a drive-by, and then if you know the appraiser can't get it done, then we have to go into the home. Now, we were um, talking about an FHA loan and how the interest rates may be a little bit higher than a conventional or about the same. I wanted to know um, in your profession, what do you think about the interest rates right now with COVID going on? So I think now is like an amazing time to purchase. I think we are literally at all time lows when it comes to um, interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look when my parents bought a home late 80s, interest rates 13, 14, 15%. Like my mom literally had a 13% interest rate on a conventional loan. Crazy. It's crazy, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So it's insane from that aspect of it. When right, I first drink started, to that. <laughs> right, drink to that. So when I first started in the industry in 2011, average interest rates on a 30-year mortgage probably about 4.75, maybe four and a half. Mm -hmm. um, right now we're in a position where 30-year mortgages clients are locking in like in the upper 2% range. So what that does is it opens up, we talked about the debt to income ratio and those kinds of things. Five years ago, people who might've only qualified for a $100,000 house, they find themselves right. able to do 150, 160, just based on the interest rates. Right, right. Um, so that's, that's amazing and it, it's huge. And I think that's why so many people are able to buy homes now mm -hmm. is just because the government needs a way to stimulate the economy. So what do you do? You lower interest rates, make people spend money, make people buy things. Mm -hmm. And from a consumer aspect, it helps out because like I said, people who never thought they could buy a home or maybe they were just out of their price range are in a position where, you know, they're able to purchase the home of their dreams and it's affordable. Yeah. 
So that, that part of it is huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because it matches the market right now where homes are being, you know, bidded up to highest and best scenarios and they need a mortgage and a purchase amount that needs to be a little bit higher in order to get the home that they want. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. I think one of the things too that's key, um, what I spoke about too, is a lot of people and first time home buyers get caught up on like interest rate, interest rate, interest rate, right? Mm-hmm. But as I just stated in the 80s, people were buying houses at 13% interest rate. Exactly. So from a, a purchasing perspective, there's always going to be a market for people. People are always going to want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people it's not so much about the interest rate, even though rates are great right now. It's more about your monthly payment and what you're comfortable with. Right. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's cool to have a 2.99 interest rate. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it, it's cooler to have a house, right. right, to be able to own something. Right. And a lot of times we'll talk to people and they're like, oh, the interest rates are too high. It's 4%, 4.5%. And I'll ask like, okay, well, like, what are you doing right now? Like, are you living at home? Are you renting? Nine times out of 10, I'm renting. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your interest rate on your rent? (laughs) Oh, there isn't an interest rate. (laughs) You're not building equity. You're literally paying a hundred percent interest because you're just throwing money to something and you won't own it at the end of the day. Right. So, I understand that you may think a 4% interest rate, you know, maybe a little bit high when the market calls for that, but you're paying a hundred percent renting. So there's always the opportunity to purchase and there's always an opportunity to buy a house. Awesome. Now I do want to rewind it back a bit because I forgot to mention, because here in Detroit, we have a lot of homes that may need a little bit of fixing and things that need to be done to a property that may not even pass a FHA or a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a little bit about FHA 203K loans. Yes. I get that a lot. Okay. So a 203K loan, we don't offer them at Quicken, but I'm versed in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically what the 203K loan is, is it's a loan and then it allows you to take out a little bit extra to do renovations, right? So let's say you find the perfect house and it's like, rip to the studs, right? Like the bones are good and it's everything that you wanted in a house, but you just need to renovate it. Mm-hmm. There's programs out there, whether it's a 203K loan or whether there's other like renovation loans that are out there where you can do one mortgage, take additional funds out to make the house how you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it doesn't need extensive renovations, um, we have a conventional program where you can do a renovation loan. Let's just say you love everything about the house, but you want to finish the basement mm-hmm. or it's got that Detroit towel that we call it. Mm-hmm. That, pink that pink towel. That pink towel. <laughs> I call it uh, West Side. West Side <laughs> I grew up on the West Side. Exactly. My mom still has it I in her house. Oh, my grandma has it in her house. <laughs> <laughs> West Side, Detroit towel. But you see it all throughout the city. I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. So that about. Detroit towel that Black nobody trim. wants Beige, anymore. Blue. Yeah, we got blue. My grandma has sky blue. Like Green. That's her. Yeah. Green, right. So it allows you to be able to take a little bit of money out to maybe update that, right? To make yeah. it more modern, to... Fix up the kitchen to finish that basement to mm-hmm. knock out a wall and make your your living room and dining room open. Right. So I always tell people, especially when they're looking at homes, is that it may not be the perfect home. It might not cross everything off on your list, but if it crosses out the majority, there's always financing options to yeah. get the house to where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that part is huge. I'm glad you you, you mentioned the renovation loans for yeah, sure. Thank you. <laughs> forget about that all the time. So um, how important, because I know that we were talking about um, comparables, like when you, the appraisals um, occur, like how important do you feel like it is for the home to appraise? So it's very important from a mortgage perspective is because the lender is only going to lend on what the property is worth, yeah. right? So let's say, for instance, you put an offer in on a house at 120, mm-hmm. it comes in at 110, 
um, the lender is only going to use your loan of value and only going to lend up to that 110. Right. <clears throat> so in that situation, there's a few things that you can do. Obviously, you can always talk to your realtor, go back and renegotiate. Um, or you can bring the difference between what that is. So like a lot of times I have clients and I'm sure you guys have been like living and going great off of this 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 year, mm-hmm. but appraisal uh, guarantees. Yes. Um, which is a lifesaver, especially in a seller's market mm-hmm. where you're willing to put an offer in and say, you know, we'll put the offer in at 130 with a $10,000 appraisal guarantee. So if the house comes like in offer at I wrote. <laughs> yeah, 110 or 115 or anything like that, and you have the money, you can literally bring that difference to still get the, the home that you want. Mm-hmm. But the appraisal is, is so huge. It's one of the biggest things that like a lender looks at because the lender wants to make sure that they're making a sound investment. And they're lending money on something that's that's worth it, right? Like we don't right. want to lend a hundred thousand dollars on a house that's only worth fifty thousand, right? Right? Like that's not a good investment for the lender. It's not a good investment for our investors that, that back us. Mm-hmm. So the appraisal we always want to make sure is 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 in line. line. Yeah, um, that comes with comparables. So <clears throat> a major component of the appraisal is the comparables. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily what has been done to the specific home that you're purchasing. You can have a house that's somebody's put three hundred thousand dollars worth of work into, but if all the houses around the area are selling for one fifty, two hundred, yeah. nine times out of ten, the appraisal is going to come in closer to that because it's based on the comps of the homes that have sold in your immediate area. Your neighbors, it's not our yeah. fault. It's not the realtor's <laughs> fault. Never the realtor's fault. Never the right. lender's fault too. Right. A lot of people think that like lenders have like this hidden agenda to like underappraise a property or they'll be like, Oh, I don't want to use Quicken because their appraisals always come in low. I've heard that. Yeah. But <laughs> the thing is, is like we're in the business to yeah. lend money. Right. Mm-hmm. So it benefits us no type of way for us to have the appraisal come in low right? Exactly. because that's money that we can't lend. That's mm-hmm. interest that we can't collect. Right. That's a client that we can't, can't service. Mm-hmm. So it hurts us just as much as it hurts the client, just as exactly. much as it hurts the realtor mm-hmm. for an appraisal to come in low. And just to note, uh, me and Brian have never had a low appraisal. <laughs> we always make it work. It always we works. Never had a low yeah. appraisal. But that goes to the realtor too. The yeah. realtor does their homework. They should I, never yeah. have you really good at comps. <laughs> so, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like a good realtor, like Justin's gonna pull the comps. Yeah. They're gonna have a good pulse or a good touch on the area to exactly. know what the area is. It's not gonna be somebody that lives a hundred miles away, right? So right. That's why as a lender, like we want local realtors, we want realtors that are going to understand and know the area. The market, yeah, it makes the process so much smoother. Yeah, so much smoother. Yeah, and even in multiple um, offer situations that we're <laughs> experiencing right now, I think it's really important because um, you can have an appraisal that comes in at value, even a multiple offer situation, in writing above ask. I mean, I wrote an offer. I, I said this last time on the podcast, a thirty over thirty thousand dollars over the list price, and we had no appraisal issue. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, with an appraisal guarantee and didn't even have to use the okay. additional money. Yeah. yeah. So the appraisal guarantee it, it's so clutch. Like I've literally just started hearing about it more so like in the last mm-hmm. year to maybe two years. Um, but that's the market we're in. We're in a seller's market and sellers literally can can do what they want, right? Like mm-hmm. I was just telling Justin before the podcast in regards to a home, first home I ever purchased, eighty two thousand, mm-hmm. two thousand twelve. Yeah, two thousand twelve. And I just sold it this year for uh, 198000 mm-hmm. So it, it's unprecedented times. And I think that that goes to the rates that we're in right now as well, too. 
But I mean, it's the fact that people want to purchase homes. Yeah, and it's limited inventory. Yeah, way limited. So inventory. you have a market full of buyers and limited inventory. It's going to drive the prices Supply up. Supply and demand, right? Yeah. Like the reason why Economics. we like all those things, oh. like Yeezys and things of that yeah. sort, right? They yeah. retail two twenty. Yeah. Limited amount on there. They're selling 400, 500 bucks. It's the yeah. same thing with houses. Yeah. Now, since I have you on here, I wanted to know if you could kind of debunk a myth for me because I hear a lot of um, agents saying, well, if the buyer has an FHA loan, they can't do an appraisal guarantee with FHA. They can't go over what their amount, how much money it appraised for. 100% incorrect. Okay, I'll good. Tell you that that is incorrect. <laughs> okay. Um, it just depends on if the client can bring the extra funds. So, mm-hmm. for instance, I'm doing a deal right now in Oak Park where the house appraised for like five grand less. Mm-hmm. Client has to go FHA because of debt to income ratio, credit score, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're making the deal work. They're just going to bring that extra $5,000 out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing with that, too, is that the client doesn't necessarily have to have those funds on their own. They can get a gift from, like, family. They can get a gift from friends. You can pull it from 401K. You can pull it from stocks. There's so many opportunities and ways to to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, to, to answer your question, complete myth. Okay. Not true at all. Okay. Because <laughs> I know some majors are like, okay, we can do it, but we we can't show the lender that we're giving them this extra money. <laughs> Not true. Not true okay, good. No. Okay. <laughs> oh. mm. All right. Good to know. All right. Are you seeing like a lot of VA loans too? Uh, I am. Um, VA loans are very prevalent, especially in like VA or like military towns and areas. So for instance, like myself, I'm licensed in 33 states. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the VA loans that I'm doing right now are in like the DC area, like Maryland, Virginia, because those are large like military base areas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of military vets like settle there because of like healthcare and things of that sort. So mm-hmm. tons of VA loans still going. Um, VA is probably my favorite product to, to write a loan on. Um, again, because the client doesn't need to have a down payment. A lot of times they just cover their closing costs. Right. Um, and like the rates and the pricing and things are are set for veterans to really thank them, mm-hmm. right? So you look at uh, a lot of times on mortgages when you don't put twenty percent down, you have to pay what's called PMI, which is a private mortgage insurance, mm-hmm. um, which that money really doesn't go anywhere. It's an insurance policy to the lender to say, hey, we're going to lend you this money even though you're not putting a large amount down. Mm-hmm. If you should default or foreclose on this, then at least we have the money from the insurance policy. We're on a VA loan, there's no PMI. So you can do 100% financing, you can put 5% down. There's no PMI because it's backed by the VA. So the VA says that this person was honorably discharged. We believe in their like merit and their culture and like the way that they do things to the point where we'll guarantee this uh, if they should default or if they should you know, foreclose on the property. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really a, a good opportunity and a good loan for veterans to be able to do if they I just closed the VA loan, and I know well right now that the VA, um, they're kind of backed up where you submit your applications. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing holding our um, loan process up was just the VA getting back to my client in order to process everything and show that he was a veteran and mm-hmm. get the loan. But other than that, it went smoothly, and it's a great program. They basically had to bring nothing to closing on a $250,000 house. Yeah. So. <laughs> I did a loan from one of my uh, friends in Georgia, and he, military, moved from Maryland and um, went to Georgia, $320,000 house, no money out of pocket, mm. and got his earnest money deposit back. Mm. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, mm. it's great. You, you know, get a check really at closing program. for yeah, one. Right, exactly. <laughs> at right. closing you get paid back. to buy a house. It, it, it's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
VA-wise, too, the appraisals are pretty similar to FHA. Yeah. Um, once again, they're both government loans, so they want to make sure that the home is safe and in good conditions. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that a VA loan typically requires that's different is a pest inspection. Right. Oh, yeah. um, every VA loan requires a pest inspection. Good thing for buyers is that the seller pays for the pest inspection, mm-hmm. and it's usually not more than a couple hundred dollars. But right. they want to make sure that there's no termite damage, no you know anything that's going to hinder the, the property or make the property deteriorate over time. Mm. Right. So don't be afraid of it. Yeah. A lot of newer homes don't have pests. So. No, they, no, they don't. And especially yeah. here in Michigan, like yeah. we don't really get a lot of that. You'll mm-hmm. see that more so like down south where mm-hmm. termites typically reside, like warmer weather mm-hmm. and things of that sort. So you see that in Michigan, we usually don't have much to worry about when it comes yeah. to the loans. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So... I guess, what are some of the things that you would say to a buyer, anyone who's just kind of afraid to even call and get started on a mortgage? Because I have friends, and I'm sure you have friends that um, don't even want to pick up the phone and call, but they want a house so bad, and you're like, oh, then pick up a call, pick up a phone and call a lender already. Yeah, so So I think the best thing to do is to be proactive. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I've been doing this for 10 years. Like, I've talked to clients in the initial few minutes. They're like, you know, hey, I'm worried about my credit or, you know, I'm a little bit scared. Like I never thought, you know, that I could purchase a home. So I'm literally shaking here while I'm on the phone (laughs) with you. And when you pick your lender, like your lender should make you feel comfortable, just like Mm -hmm. your real estate agent should make you feel comfortable. Right. Right. So I always tell people, I mean, just pick the phone up, make the initial phone call. You're not going to be in a worse position or worse situation than what you're in right now. Worst case scenario, we're on the phone. I'm telling you, hey, I can't do anything right now, but at least I'm going to give you the game, I'm going to teach you the game, power quote, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put you together and put together a game plan so that you right. can qualify as soon as you can. Right. And most lenders, even like, especially at Quicken, like we've got credit teams that are free. Mm-hmm. So one of our teams is called Fresh Start. Mm-hmm. Your credit score is above a 550, 560, where you're not quite in a position to qualify. We will work with you for free to get your credit score to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they'll literally look at it and they'll say, okay, if you were to pay off $200 on this credit uh, credit card that you have, mm-hmm. your score will jump up 70 points. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with simulators, things of that sort. Um, but the biggest thing is you can't be afraid. Like, people are afraid of rejection all the time. Yeah. Right. 100%. That's what it's it no is. difference with mortgages. Mm-hmm. But if you don't put yourself out there and you don't try, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of times, you're paying $2,000 a month in rent. You get a mortgage, your payment might be twelve hundred, but you're just scared to pick the phone up and scared to make the initial phone call. Right. And you just gotta get over that fear, right? Like yeah. trust that the person that you're on the phone with has nine times out of ten seen way worse situations than than your situation. It's nothing exactly. to be embarrassed about, it's nothing to be scared about. Mm-hmm. Like your your five eighty or five fifty credit score. Trust me, it's not the lowest credit score that I've seen. We're not going to ridicule you. We're not going to make fun of you or anything right. like it's that. It's a judgment-free zone. Yeah, it's a judgment-free zone. <laughs> yeah. right? Just like Planet Fitness. Yes. judgment-free zone. <laughs> and our job is to help you get to that point to where you can qualify. Right. So yeah. it's one of those things where it's like almost being afraid to go to the doctor because, mm-hmm. I don't know, you notice a lump or, you know, there's something that's going on. Like, you can't be scared. You have to you know, put yourself out there, you're doing yourself more good mm-hmm. by just making the phone call, investigating it. And at that point, at least you know. Exactly. Right? Knowing is half the battle. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a disservice to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
But I love what you said because it's like, how do you, how can you get opportunity if you're not present for it? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think it's it's like anything else, like right. You go to buy that car, you don't know if you're gonna qualify, but mm-hmm. you know you need to get from point A to point. Exactly. B, right. So just put yourself out there, try it, and I guarantee you end up more knowledgeable and in a better position than if you would have never picked up the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Good advice. So um, I have a question because I, I get um, a lot of um, self-employed mm-hmm. um, people coming to me and saying, "Hey, how can I qualify for a mortgage?" Yeah. Um, any tips? Any? Yeah. So, real talk. Um, self-employment is always one of those kind of like taboo type things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I understand why people do what they do with self-employment. Um, I was a business owner for a little bit too, so I had a position where we can write like a lot of stuff off and not pay taxes on it. That's good during tax time, but it hurts you when it's time to get a mortgage. Yeah. And the reason being is because when we talk about the debt to income ratio. We can only go off of your bottom line mm-hmm. for what you claim to the government that you made an income. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we'll have self-employed clients where obviously like we see them and like we know that they're making good money, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, but they will get with their tax person and they'll write off so much mm-hmm. to the point where they only show fifty thousand. Right. Because obviously they don't want to pay taxes on it. I'm sure that's Trump point of being a business owner. Like <laughs> 750 for, for taxes and all that stuff. Um, where, I mean, listen, if you're established and you own a house, you're not planning on purchasing anything, right. yeah, you might want to do that. Mm-hmm. But when you're self-employed and you're going to purchase a home, you want to be able to show as much income as you can. Right. So I'll tell clients if, you know, in a situation where they don't qualify right now, hey, your debt to income ratio, you only claimed a portion of your income. You know, when you file your taxes next year, try to file or try to claim as much income as you can, okay. and that will help you to qualify. Yeah. So I always recommend that. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but if it's a situation where, like we said, you're trying to qualify, you're trying to purchase, you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position. Right. And the best position, it may suck during tax time. You might have to pay a thousand or a couple thousand dollars in taxes, but is that worth you not being able to purchase home? Right. And like we said before, like that money that you're paying in rent that doesn't go anywhere, you'd much rather pay a couple thousand dollars in taxes when it's tax time versus to pay twelve thousand, fifteen thousand dollars over the year in rent because you can't qualify to purchase a home. Yeah. Yeah. So how many years tax returns do you guys usually look at? Uh, so normally for? if the business has been operating, meaning that you have filed taxes on it for more than five years, we're only looking at your most recent year of taxes. Okay. If it's a little bit of a newer business where it's been opened in the last five years, it's really not super established, we're going to ask for two years of tax returns. Okay. Um, and then we're going to take the average or look at both years and then combine that, take the average and figure out what income we're going to qualify you on. Got it. Uh, your business has been in business for five years or more. We assume that it's like stood the test of time where, you know, it's a reputable business. Uh, you've got your affairs in order. So we usually only need one year of, of taxes. Mm. Um, and that's especially on a conventional loan. Mm. Other thing with FHA and VA, FHA and VA are always going to require two years. Got it. So they're always going to require two years of tax returns. But conventional, more than five years on and running a business, one year mm-hmm. taxes. Yeah. Yeah. I always get that question from self-employed people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a profit and loss statement. You have to have that prepared, right, too? Yeah. So right mm-hmm. now, and this is due to COVID, we, <clears throat> so for self-employed clients, so I deal with like a lot of state farm agents that are mm-hmm. technically self-employed. 
you have to have one year of tax returns, obviously. Most of them have been in business more than five years. You need a year-to-date profit and loss statement mm-hmm. and two months of your business bank statements that show the deposits going into your account. Mm-hmm. Um, because once again, they want to verify and make sure that you know, you're sustainable, like you're not going to have any issues like qualifying for this mortgage. Mm-hmm. That profit and loss thing, we just started at Quicken, at least we just started doing that in March with the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And that's because Fannie Mae is now requiring that FHA, they're now requiring those things for us to be able to loan for self-employment. Got it. Uh, prior to that, literally all we needed was two years of tax returns and just proof that the business is still operable. Mm. So um, the situation I had when this first started in like March, April, a uh, client had a regular job, wasn't quite enough to make income, but he played organ at a church. Mm. Um, so he filed income, self-employed, got paid by that. But due to churches being closed because like governor governor you know put everything on shutdown mm-hmm. we weren't able to use that income because they're not consistently or still receiving that income right now from that self-employment mm-hmm. so that's why the profit and loss is important and that's why we need two months of the bank statements to be able to show that that income is still mm-hmm. you know coming in yeah. still getting money so how do we like the straight bourbon whiskey so far? It's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Like I said, I've been a fan of um, the company, Detroit Distillery, for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally have a bottle of this at home in really? the bar right now. Okay. <laughs> so I chose the right one. You chose the right one. <laughs> chose the right one. Yeah, no, it's good. good. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's smooth. It's got some kick. <laughs> yeah, it does have kick, just like any, any bourbon or whiskey for sure. But yeah. it's one of, the, one of the better ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I guess uh, I have a question. So from like a lender standpoint, um, you know, I know that you're licensed in other states and, you know, but uh, specifically for Detroit, like what areas are you seeing uh, first time home buyers or at least tell you that they're looking to purchase in? Yeah. So I think that most of the areas are going to be like your um, first time home buyers are like yeah. Rosedale Park. Okay. Right. Like yeah. um, a lot of the people, it depends. Rosedale Park, uh, University District. Um, What's the area right over by like Livernois and like Bagley? Uh, yeah, Bagley for sure. Mm-hmm. Bagley is, is, is very hot. And then even we're starting to see more towards like Livernois and like eight mile area. I think it's like so Green, Green Acres. Acres. Yep. Yeah. Is, is, is huge. Um, yeah. Those are kind of the hot spots for the city right now. Mm-hmm. Have you um, even seen it in the East English Village? I have. East English Village mm-hmm. is nice too. Uh, Indian Village. Most of those are mm-hmm. more like, not more so like first time homebuyers from what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. Those are yeah. a little bit. You know, people who are looking for their like forever home mm-hmm. and things of that sort, mm-hmm. uh, just because the prices, you know, obviously They're are a little higher. bit more, a lot higher. Oh, yeah. an East English Village. Yeah, East English Village for sure. That's like uh, the same price point as like a Rosedale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a, a lot too. And I'm just being honest. Like, I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but like a lot of like the gentrification and stuff that's coming in. Like, we got like a lot of like non-black people moving in. And the people that I'm talking to when I deal with like relocation clients where they're like relocating from New York or different cities, mm-hmm. like Rosedale Park is like top of like the top. Everyone's list. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, everyone wants Rose- Rosedale mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, getting an offer accepted in Rosedale is it's like. It's tough. I know. I list over there. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Rosedale Realtor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good market yeah. to be in for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> one of my friends, literally, we were looking at it. He purchased his home in 2011 for like. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, so I take that back. The person that purchased it 
Mm-hmm. Purchased it for like sixty thousand. Mm-hmm. Six months later, turned around and sold it to him for one thirty. After like renovating it and like building it up, mm-hmm. and now he's actually going to be selling that property. I think it's going on for like two thirty five or something. Oh yeah, like I believe that. it. So that's just to show to, to exactly. show you in a matter of like four or five years, like how much how the much Detroit, equity yeah how much yeah. equity is being built. Mm-hmm. Once again, if you never bought a home and you were scared to pick the phone up for that phone call mm-hmm. to see about qualifying, right, you'd have still been renting, right? Exactly. Right. And got in at the right time, was able to you know use the home mm-hmm. and sell it for more than what he purchased it for. Exactly. Right. right? So that's when you really start to get into like the economics of home ownership mm-hmm. and like why it makes so much more sense to purchase than it does to, to continue to rent. Yeah. Right. You're literally building wealth. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if I could turn back the hands of time and buy in 2009, Listen. I'd be yeah. a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts are that we probably won't be too far away from that next year. Mm-hmm. Next year, maybe the next two years, mm-hmm. might have an opportunity for that. So what mm-hmm. I'm encouraging people to do is to buy a house now like while you can let it build up, maybe get some equity, use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times, too, with the refinance side of things, too, if you purchase a home at 100000 and let's say the equity shoots up, mm-hmm. well, you got $100,000 in equity that you can use. So the next time that there is an economic downturn, you can pull that equity out of your house and buy a new house cash, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Or have that money for a down payment so you can invest in those things so that when this market does end up on an upturn, yep. you, you've used the money that you've had, that equity, to be able to put yourself in a position where you can can, can capitalize. Yep. Exactly. Right? So that's my prediction, and for what it's worth, it's, I mean, I'm not a psychic or anything like that, <laughs> but I do think, to your point, like, we're going to see that in the next couple of years as, mm-hmm. like, this COVID thing starts to get back to normal, and, like, these unemployment checks and all that stuff kind of, like, runs out. Mm-hmm. People who weren't smart with that money mm-hmm. are going to find themselves in a position where, the market, there's going to be so many more houses on the market here in the next few years. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I'm excited about. <laughs> that for realtors and lenders, like, there's going to be so much more opportunity to, to continue mm-hmm. to, to get in this business and continue to do so. And I feel like your house is definitely a part of your retirement. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that um, you can gain money off of, as <clears> well as your 401k or whatever it may be. Yep. Your house is definitely one of those things. As to your point, I had a client... Um, recently who purchased their home back in I think it was 2000 and 2011 she bought her home in 2011 and now or around this time we're selling for almost 200 Mm -hmm. so she bought it cash now we're turning around and selling it for almost 200 now she's like okay I'm just going to take it easy in the apartment I'm I'm, I'm retired (laughs) so to speak to your point about it being a retirement plan too, a lot of people don't know like what a reverse mortgage is. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a good opportunity too. Quicken doesn't do them. We used to have mm-hmm. one reverse mortgage company that did them. Mm-hmm. But you start to talk about retirement, right? So imagine you purchase a home fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. By the time that you're ready to retire, 20, 30, 40 years, however long it is, with the increase in property value, that house might be worth two hundred, three hundred thousand. Yeah. So what a reverse mortgage is is it's a way for that equity to actually pay you on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to depend on social security that might not be here at that point, exactly. your pension that might not be here, like we've seen what happened with the city of Detroit cutting pensions and all of those things, mm-hmm. you can literally use that to be able to gain income when that time comes, mm-hmm. right? So that investment and that money that you spent is actually paying back to you 
to help you live a, a better lifestyle, right? So when you're retired, you're not penny pension, you're not going, you know, social security check to social security check. Mm-hmm. You got an extra thousand, two thousand dollars a month of the equity in your home that you built mm-hmm. um, that can go help you to do vacations or buy things, like whatever it is. So I think mm-hmm. that, that that is something that um, a lot of people don't think about too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are first time, like first generation, like home buyers. Yeah. And some of these reverse mortgage things have only been around maybe 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So we don't really see that. That, that aspect of it. And it's something that I would have never known about if I hadn't worked for a mortgage company. I'm like, what is a reverse mortgage? <laughs> but it, it's a different avenue and a different tool that you can use to uh, to help you out. Mm-hmm. So I'm more of the time to buy a house now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, I have a cousin. That was some free. Game. <laughs> that was some free game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I have a cousin who uh, purchased a home um, years ago in Bagley. 25 cash. And I mean, I would tell the home like right now for like, Close to 200. Yes. It's an investment, right? Yeah. So, like, when you purchase a home, it's for sure an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why the area is so important. That's mm-hmm. why the neighborhood, the location, all of that stuff is so important, right? Exactly. Um, it's one of those things where, like, I've heard people say, like, you, you're a fool if you have the most expensive house on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk to your point about comparables, like, you got the most expensive house. I'd rather have a least expensive house in like a rich neighborhood. The best neighborhood, right? Yeah, because at that point, like that's going to bring the value up of, of your property. Right, exactly. right. And, and that's what I tell my clients is like, you know, maybe not buying at the top of the market, <clears throat> you know, in the areas that you're looking in, you know, buying in an area where the values are appreciating and maybe you can do your own renovations or do this and do that. Exactly. And then now you have equity, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where the appraisal comes into value too. It doesn't yep. matter. Like we talked about like, you could buy a house and put two hundred thousand dollars worth of work into it, but if you're not going to be there forever, you plan on selling it. Mm-hmm. It's not a good investment because right. while you have a house that you put two hundred thousand dollars worth of work in, and you know the guy down the street or your next door neighbor bought the house at eighty thousand, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and it might not look like anything on the outside or whatever, but that's not a good investment because you're never going to going to see that return. Right, mm-hmm. right, and that's what I say to the clients is like you know. The home is only worth what the market is willing to pay for it. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's, your, it's with the neighbors in the area, you know, blame your neighbors for the values <laughs> again. not. <laughs> but at the same time, you definitely have to be realistic with your goal, because even right now we're seeing those homes that may be in that neighborhood that is popular, but okay. it needs some work. And that may they still may be maybe $20,000 or $30,000 what the average home is selling for in that neighborhood because of the work that needs to be done. So it only needs that $30,000 worth worth of work, but when it's put inside of it, it'll be up to that market, that average market price. Mm-hmm. That's the thing too. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people, especially first-time homebuyers, are scared to like mm-hmm. buy that house that needs a little bit of work because mm-hmm. maybe they might not be a handyman. Or yeah. Anything like that. And that's <laughs> kind of the mistake I made with mm-hmm. my first house is like, I was like, no, I want this to be moving ready. Like, it needs to be perfect. (laughs) I'm not doing drywall. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to do all these repairs. But there's so many people out here, especially if you get with, like, a reputable contractor. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where, like, I tell people to leverage the real estate agent is, like, Mm -hmm. like, you guys do this all day. We've got vendors. Yeah, connections, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know people. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, also the quality of your real estate agent comes into play, too, and why you got to be very... Mm-hmm. specific on the, the agent that you work with and mm-hmm. those things because they can hook you up. Like they can plug you with somebody mm-hmm. who will do good work 
and you get a nice deal because this agent sends them multiple people. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's one of those things where you can't necessarily be afraid to, to, to take on that adventure or to take that chance. Yeah. It, it will pay dividends. Mm -hmm. Instead, you get a house $30,000 under value, mm -hmm. like put 15000 into it, and then after that, it's 30000 more than the value. Exactly. So you can't yeah. be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't take that long for you to get that equity either. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a client who purchased a condo and she did some renovations and was it she had a daughter and a year and a half later we went and sold the condo she made a profit and now she's in the house you gotta so. think about what these flippers do too like they, yeah. they will buy mm -hmm. a house that's like people are about to foreclose or any of those kinds of things mm -hmm. they'll get it for like pennies mm -hmm. put a little bit of money into it and then turn around and sell it yeah exactly. and then you're buying that property like why not try to get in some instances on the front end of that mm -hmm. where you can really benefit and really, really, really do that. And I think a lot right. of people, like you said, are just afraid or scared or nervous. I know that's what it was for me. I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. a first time <laughs> home buyer. Like, I don't know the first thing about mm -hmm. all the mechanics and all of that <laughs> stuff. But right. It's getting a good team, getting a good realtor that can kind of point you exactly. in the right directions. But you definitely have to um, be comfortable and know your limits, know your strengths, know what you... Um, I guess I can feel comfortable with doing because I do have clients that, you know, you mentioned gentrification and how people move here. And um, I've even had clients who have thought they were going to purchase that home that needs a lot of work. You know, these we have big, beautiful homes, but a lot of times they're old and they need a lot of things. Yeah. So I've had clients in the past that have moved here, bought that fixer-upper, and then, okay, years later, I kind of want to move to a home that's already finished mm -hmm. because I can't do this myself. You know, I'm running, out of, I'm running out of a team. I don't necessarily have all the money that I could put into it. Mm -hmm. Let me just sell this asset and get into something that's moving ready. Oh, right. You definitely have to know your bearings before you jump into it as a first-time home buyer. Yeah, you got to do your research too, right? Yeah. So like a lot of times with like even clients, I'm sure that like we've worked with people where mm -hmm. they'll have like someone come out and like look at it and maybe even give estimates of what they mm -hmm. think it would cost to, to fix some of this stuff up. Yeah. Right. And then you can make that determination. Okay, well, you put this down and the ARV or whatever it is, like, okay, if I pay $10,000, like it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth more. Mm -hmm. Right. So that... You know, you definitely need to do your, your homework mm -hmm. and your research. You can't just go into it thinking, you know, you're mighty man and yeah. you can do all of this stuff where right? you're going to take this $100,000 house that you got on Detroit Land Bank for 100 bucks, mm -hmm. and you're not going to have to really put any work into yeah. it. Right? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, also like someone that's reputable too. Mm -hmm. Like I've literally had experiences where I've used people that I went to high school with or that I knew that just, you know, sometimes say that or their Facebook or whatever says that they do home renovations mm -hmm. and they come out and they do it looks okay and you have the same issues you know a year or two years later exactly or then when you go to sell it and then we have an inspection done yep. on it and the inspector is like well this isn't right this isn't right yep. I pay for right. the plumbing to be like, done but the glue is being money. <laughs> and it's like, okay well it's not done exactly. quickly I mean we see that all the time yeah and, and and you know kind of to both of your points and what you guys were talking about in regards to like fixer uppers. I mean, there's levels to fixer uppers and exactly. moving ready homes. I mean, there are homes that are moving ready mm -hmm. that uh, you can still, you know, get equity, you know, from yeah. as you do more and more and you more know, improvements. Like so, a home that, okay, yeah. the kitchen is old. Maybe it doesn't have granite countertops, but it has mm -hmm. cabinets, a decent countertop and white appliances. Mm -hmm. the, the kitchen is usable. It's just right. old, yeah, you know, old, right? you know, you want those granite counters, but you can eventually do that. But right mm -hmm. now you could use that kitchen and cook yourself a Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's it's definitely levels to rehab. It's just all about being prepared for what you can and can't do and having the team to, um, you know, to do it for you and mm-hmm. also setting the budget aside to do the work the right way. Because right. I know a lot of people, they have champagne taste, champagne taste on a beer budget. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want that champagne, you got to pay for it. This is a How do you say it? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Moex. That's how I know. That's what I know how to say. Moex. <laughs> but yeah, and that's one of the things too. Like a lot of people think that like try to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, right. I saw that on MTV. Well, I'm dating myself. And there's no more MTV crib. <laughs> I saw in this like payroll video. Like he's right. got like he said payroll video. <laughs> these marble floors. Say Nelly. It's okay. Nelly, whatever. Right, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But right. you're like, all right, I got to keep up with the Joneses. I got to do right. this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like. I always tell people Rome was not built in a day. Exactly. So you can get a house and it might not have everything that you want. Right. But this is an investment. Like you're going to be in this house for a length of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Get something that you can live with or something that you like to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Over time, over the years, you can make these adjustments. You can level up over time. Exactly. It doesn't have to be all right now. Exactly. One point, like everything right there. And that's probably the the best advice that I would Mm -hmm. give people, especially... If your budget isn't necessarily like where you like ideally want to be, it doesn't have to be there. You can start somewhere. Starting somewhere is better than not starting at all. Exactly. So get that $60,000, that $80,000 house, Mm -hmm. make it into what you want it to be. And if Mm -hmm. you stay there long term, more power to you. But if you decide, hey, after four or five years, you want to upgrade, do it. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about, too. So... (laughs) A lot of clients and myself personally, like when we go first time home buyers, right? Like mm-hmm. we have the idea that we're going to be in this house forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm never going to leave this house. This is it. The <laughs> average first time home buyer stays in their house somewhere between like five and seven years. Wow. Like Maybe three to five, five to seven it. years. I believe it. And the reason being is because life changes. When mm-hmm. you purchase your first home, what age are you usually? Mm-hmm. Like in your... T- um, early I don't know, 30s like or 20s to late 20s, 20s. Okay. 30s, early 30s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But think about where you were at that point in your life and yeah. where you are now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like things are going to happen. A lot of first time homebuyers, single mm-hmm. um, things like school district aren't really important to you. Yeah. Right? Things like multiple bedrooms aren't really important to you. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I was saying earlier, like FHA and like some of the lower down payment options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm are good to go with for your starter home because mm-hmm. you're not going to be there forever. It's a stepping stone. Right. Yeah. Right. So you might get that $80,000 house. That's three bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Five years later, 10 years later, ideally you'll be making more money than what you were making. Then mm-hmm. your life may change. You may get married. You may have kids. You might get with someone who has kids mm-hmm. and you're going to outgrow that space. Right. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't make sense to like blow your whole wide and buy a three or $400,000 house as your first house. Right. Unless, like, you got it like that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't, it's okay to take steps and to, to, to build up. Exactly. Because you're not going to be in that house long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where a good realtor comes into play, too, is they buy a house five years later, you leave a good impression on them, and, you know, you help them out, you stay in contact, whether it's sending Christmas cards or <laughs> calendars business. or just yeah, <laughs> them on the market in their area yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but if you treat them right they're going yeah. to come back to you mm-hmm. and i can tell you that like in my business like i said i've been at quicken going on 10 years now 
I've had so many clients that like I've done business for in the past mm-hmm. that had such a great experience and they they liked the way that we take care of them. They liked how we, you know, were honest and upfront, did everything with them, but they come back. Right. Not only do they come back, they send their family and their mm-hmm. friends and, and things of that Girls. sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that part of it is huge too. Oh, yeah. It's so crazy how we're so much different than the generations before us. Mm-hmm. I had a client who lived in her home for, she lived in her home for 40 years. Her first home, lived <laughs> in it for 40 years. She showed me, she showed me the old um, deed that went with the home, this old kind of... Um, scroll. Yeah, like a scroll <laughs> <laughs> warranty deed from her to another, you know, from someone else yeah. that she knew to her. And, uh, um, of course, the title company had a little bit of trouble looking up the history yeah. to her home um but yeah 40 years inside of that same home yep. you my know, grandma's that's been crazy. in her house since so the house that they bought this is her first time buying they were renting before she bought that house in 1962 mm-hmm. on uh seven mile in like hubble area mm-hmm. okay and she's been there ever since and she told me that house cost eighteen thousand five hundred dollars when they bought it wow they were the second black family on the block mm-hmm. at that point like everything was like jewish and mm-hmm. everything um that's similar and to like, my client yeah, yeah she's like I, I bought this house like mm-hmm. i'm trying to get her to like go into a condo or like move. <laughs> she's like no like i'm gonna die in this house yeah and i think yeah. that's the attachment that a lot of people um you know in that mm-hmm. like age bracket or that yeah. range you know, have they're like, hey, I don't. I worked for this. Right, I worked I for this. I spent my life savings off. for this. Yes. Paid yeah, it off, house. free and clear. Exactly. She bought it for twenty seven, sold it for one ninety. Yep. Twenty seven thousand, sold it for nine one ninety. You imagine that Oakland Boulevard area, yep. you know? So that's pretty similar Crazy. to the area where your grandmother lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's one of those things too, where like they said, it's an investment, right? Yeah. Like, right. That's a house that's going to be in the family mm-hmm. for generations. Mm-hmm. And it gets handed down and passed down in those things. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I have a question about um, concessions. Sure. So, you know, uh, clients, they um, come to me, you know, like, well, what are these concessions? What does that mean? Can you explain it just a little bit about uh, yeah. what they are? So basically what a seller concession is, mm-hmm. is where the seller will actually give funds from the proceeds of the sale to mm-hmm. help a buyer cover down payment or cover closing costs. Can't cover down payment, but it can cover closing. Mm-hmm. Right. So on an FHA loan, the maximum that you can get is 6%. So you purchase a $100,000 house, you can get, the seller can gift or give you up to $6,000 to cover your closing costs, meaning that as a buyer, you bring less money out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conventional up to, uh, depending on your down payment, so anywhere up to 3 to 10% or 3 to 9% technically, you can get 3% concessions. Mm -hmm. You put 10% or more down, you can get 6%. And I think it's if you put 25% or more down, you can get up to 9% concessions. Mm. And then on a VA loan, you can get up to 4% seller concessions. So <clears throat> concessions are usually good. They usually happen more so in a buyer's market right. versus mm-hmm. a seller's market. And that's the conversation that I'm having with a lot of clients right now mm-hmm. is that when there's a surplus of houses on the market, mm-hmm. Like sellers will be willing to do whatever it takes to sell the house. Exactly. Right? They're willing to negotiate. They'll take a lower price. They're willing to give concessions. Right. All of those things. Mm-hmm. In a seller's market, which is kind of mm-hmm. what we're in right now, I'm setting the expectations that it's probably very rare that you're going to get seller concessions. Mm-hmm. Unless you go over. And if you go over, right. meaning that you roll it in. So let's say they're asking 100000 for the house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we'll maybe go 106 and then ask for 6% concessions. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
where that $6,000 in purchase price is going to make a difference of, on a 30-year mortgage, mm -hmm. it might make a difference of 25 maybe $30 a month in difference of your payment. Right. But to have $6,000 up front is huge. Like, if mm -hmm. you're going to give me $6,000 that I don't have to bring out of pocket, I'm okay spending $30 more per month right. mm -hmm. to be able to make that happen, right? Because right. you're giving me $6,000. And all I have to do is pay an extra $30. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. Um, so that's what a lot of kind of what we're seeing, um, especially in that situation, is sometimes buyers will go over the ask price or inflate the price and they just to ask be able to back. get those concessions back. Yeah. And that's a game changer. Like, it's huge mm -hmm. because it allows people to not have to pay closing costs or not have to have all of the money, mm -hmm. and they just need their down payment. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of like, it's almost like, you look at it, it's almost like financing it. Mm -hmm. You're taking a higher purchase price, but you're paying a little bit more over the term of the loan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Concessions, I used, like, I used to love concessions mm -hmm. when it was like... A huge thing. A thing. <laughs> a huge thing. A thing. <laughs> yeah, just well, go when, in a couple of yeah. up front. Yeah. You no, know, no, it's a thing every now and then. Short, just go over. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, <clears throat> another good thing, too, so I want to talk about on that same realm, mm -hmm. and you do a great job of this, like... Mm -hmm. Um, the deals that we've worked, putting an offer in, getting an offer accepted, do the inspection, and then ask him for the concessions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's yeah. your play. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, it always works <laughs> don't, out. Don't give away my game. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the bait and switch. Bait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it works. I mean, and realistically, like, when you have yeah. an inspection, there's going to be some things that come up. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, like a, a knowledgeable agent and a good agent will already foresee that when they go mm -hmm. show the house mm -hmm. and they're strategic in the way that they get their clients mm -hmm. offers accepted. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've had some agents even, and this is a, a good play too, is when an offer goes in and it's a multiple offer situation, mm -hmm. have the client write a letter to the seller to accompany the offer. Yeah. First time yeah. I ever did that it was, a, it was an agent in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, I have like, a this template a for my clients. Yep. Do you? Yep. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Some of them have templates. But yeah, like you, like pulling on those heartstrings, especially like yeah. if it's a family that's selling the house. Investors don't care. Yeah. All about mm -hmm. the dollar, the bottom line, the dollar. But if it's a family and you can can get your buyer to. Mm -hmm. Write a letter. I've seen some of them extravagant where it's like two or three pages. They'll put a picture of their kids yep. and like all that stuff on it. Like yeah. that tugs on the heartstrings. The so dog. even if you don't Yeah. <laughs> so even if you don't necessarily mm -hmm. have the highest offer, the people might feel a, like an emotional connection with mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And they know that you're gonna take good care of the house. They know that like, you know, you're you're, you're the best hands that this house can go in. Mm -hmm. Sure, it might be a couple thousand dollars less, or it might be an FHA versus a conventional. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like we always say in the mortgage industry, like people people buy on emotions and they justify with logic. Exactly. Right. So like if you can get the emotions yeah. there, people will will buy mm -hmm. it because at the end of the day, it's not it's never about the dollar. It's never mm -hmm. about like that little piece of it. It's about the emotions. Oh right? yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I've gotten a client's offers accepted with their letter, mm -hmm. um, but even on the listing side of things. Some of my sellers are a little bit stern and they're no, firm. I've seen it. No, I don't know. In this market, Sometimes I, they just don't care. Don't care. All the listing like, tickets, please do not oh, this send is cute. letter. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yes. I've never. See, I don't look at listing tickets like yes. that. They, they start, they're starting to put it like, please do not mm. accompany the letter. I mean, in this wow. market, you yes. know. <laughs> 
just it, it depends. It depends. It, it just yeah. depends. Yeah. It depends. But I always tell my clients, especially when it comes to concessions or even getting an offer accepted. I mean, you you can't play the game unless you're on the oh, court, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Some sellers so, will let would rather have their house sit than take that lower offer. Lower offer, yeah. right? Right. Just let it sit. Especially I've if seen not, it. They're not like in a position where they have to sell or like mm-hmm. they need to. They just got time. Yes, yeah, whatever. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll just wait they it don't out. Care. I'll wait it out. And I see clients yeah. do that a lot of times with purchasing too. Is they're exactly. like, well, you know, I'm living at home with mm-hmm. mom and dad, or I'm in a situation where my rent is super cheap. Like eh, it's on a back burner, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's something I like to do, but it's not like a necessity. Exactly. Yeah. And then a lot of times, like there's no like getting around that like there's no way to like sell or no way to talk like around that it just kind of is mm-hmm. what it is it is what it is and then all you can do is just you know as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do and mm-hmm. you know you're providing great client service like i said even whether it's now or whether it's mm-hmm. months from now mm-hmm. when the time is right like that person will, will work with you yeah exactly okay. exactly yeah but i mean even in the seller's market though um Homes can sit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if they're not priced according to the, you know, and I always say like homes don't sell for one or two reasons, price or condition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a mixture of both, you know. But So um, I had a friend at Quicken that I, I did a loan for, yeah. and he, I don't know if it was just bad luck or what it was, but it's like this developer in Southfield mm-hmm. that like develops houses, and he was listing them like way over, like 265. Mm-hmm. Like he literally, my client put an offer in, uh, on two different properties that the same like seller had, mm-hmm. one was at like two sixty five. The house appraised for like two twelve. Mm. Um, the other one was something crazy like that too, where it appraised like thirty thirty five thousand under. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nope, we're not willing to budget. We're not willing to negotiate. <laughs> like it, it is what it is, right? Right. And it, an investor um, who bought the house and just cares about that that bottom line. Right. So that's where you were talking about earlier, like the appraisals where those kind of come into play is it doesn't matter how much money you've put into it. It's what, what the market and what the market is willing to pay for the the market is willing to pay. Exactly. Exactly. My friend literally went in at full ask and he was willing to pay the two sixty five, but all the other houses, nothing else appraised. It didn't come, Mm -hmm. right? It didn't come. Knocked right back down. Didn't come. Right. So that house is, and I want to say when we looked at it like last week, this was like three months ago. Mm -hmm. House is still on the market, still at the same price. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because I know you just said that you sold your house, right? Yeah. So how quick did it sell? So it, well, mine was a little bit different. So it sold, we, my sister-in-law bought it and she was renting it from me too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it literally, we had to like, get stuff in order, do a couple fixes to the house. But mm-hmm. from start to finish, from the time that the contract was signed to mm-hmm. closing was like 25 days, which is mm-hmm. great. Which is great, like yeah. especially in like the COVID era, like things take a little bit longer with right. like title companies, limited availability, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're still out there. Like you can still purchase and close on a home in 25 to 30 days if you do it the right way. Yeah. The best thing a buyer can do is to be prepared. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when their lender asks for documents, send those documents over immediately. Immediately. Um, Have it all ready to go. When agent yeah. asks you to sign an offer or put an offer in, do it immediately mm-hmm. because, like, that house might not sit on the market. Like we said, it's low inventory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, okay, if they accept your offer and you don't move, you don't hit your contingency dates, you're going to accept the next guy. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, houses have multiple offers. Exactly. And they're starting to take backups now, yep. too. So you might have My clients have at lists that point in time. to choose from. Yeah, they have yeah. a list. 
So if you don't want to get your act right, you don't want to, you know, send in documents when the lender asks for it. You don't want to mm-hmm. sign the contract. You don't want to put your earnest money and all those things down within a time frame that's allotted. Mm-hmm. You can kiss that house goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that the lender or the realtor is trying to sell you or trying to rush you or trying to push you, mm-hmm. but it's the situation of, you know, there has to be some sense of urgency. Yeah. Because if there is not, like, you will miss out on this. And, and I can't be more serious about your purchase than you are. You are. Yes, you, you are. can't be, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, okay, we just saw this house. I'm going to go home, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm ready to put this offer in on it right now. Mm-hmm. And the client's like, um, well, I don't know. Can we go look at it a second time? Or mm-hmm. there's this other house that, you know, I kind of like. And it's just like one of those situations where, okay, understand that if you do that, you might not get this house. Right. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to, like the old people say, what uh, one bird in the hand and is worth two in the bush. Two in the bush or whatever, <laughs> however it goes. Yeah. Right? Like you have an opportunity to put an offer in. Like, sure, there's always going to be a house that's mm-hmm. better. There's always going to be something that you're going to like more. There's always going to be something different. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, are you willing to risk what you have the opportunity to have right now to on a, a hope or a prayer? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I think that also comes with a relationship that, I mean, the agent has with mm-hmm. the client and setting that expectation for them yep. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, my average client, buyer client, um, that's pre-approved, I mean, we're at least submitting an offer, I mean, within a week and a half, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. or in a contract, you know, within two weeks or less, so... Yeah. I had a potential buyer client say to me, hey, you know, all of my friends took a year to find their right home. Are you going to stick with me for a year and show me houses every day? I don't have time. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, can't. I can't. Yeah, like this is... This <laughs> <I can't. laughs> but, it, but it's like determining that motivation. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, what is your time when frame are you for trying purchasing? to move? When, how, yeah. yeah. Exactly. A lot of times, like people, and this is where like my hat goes off to like real estate agents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is because you guys put in so much mm-hmm. to like get stuff done, right? Exactly. Like, they don't think about the... Don't the, the they don't... Yes. They, they really don't. <laughs> they think it's like glitz and glamour. It's HGTV. I didn't think it was all that until my wife got in the real estate game yeah, but like yeah. i'm looking at the time where she spends like showing houses yes. and gas money that she's spending on mm-hmm. gas for something that could potentially <laughs> not even like not even work, not work, even out. work yeah. out or turn exactly. into anything mm-hmm. exactly and it's one of those things where it's like i feel like a lot of buyers are just like oh well if this realtor doesn't do what i want them to do or they can't drop you know at the, the drop of a dime and go show me right. this house mm-hmm. i'll just fire them and go find somebody else right like no like realtors are really like invested in this for a realtor yeah. to right. really take time to show you houses and to talk to you and like you're almost not even a realtor like you're mm-hmm. like a counselor like you're so yeah. many things at that <laughs> we point. have thank yeah. you so much i have and someone to talk to and yes, vent exactly <laughs> i have somebody to vent yeah. to that's fine and cool but we need to get this house yeah right. um and that's one of the big things, too, that I think a lot of buyers don't think about. Like, a lot of them are, you know, more so not necessarily selfish, but, like, you don't think about all the work that goes into the craft and, like, mm-hmm. what we do and, like, what you guys do, pulling comps and uh, analysis. And, st- and actually studying the market, too. Yeah. 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 Guess, and setting up yeah. showings. I mean, just the Huge. act of just setting it up, making sure that we're going in the correct route, making yep. sure that you see that house that came on the same mm-hmm. day yep. and making ourselves available, even though we have 10 other clients yep. at the same time to do yep. that same thing for. And there's right. tons of times where my wife has been like, hey, I need you to stop work right now. Go pick our daughter up from daycare because I've got a client that needs to go see this house. Yes. Yep. Like a lot of times people don't, 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 don't think about that. Like mm-hmm. buyers and consumers don't think about that. It's just... Yeah take it for granted, right? Mm-hmm. 
So exactly. that definitely setting the right expectations. I think in the mortgage industry and the real estate industry is the biggest thing that you can do. Always set the right expectations. Right. Exactly. And clear communication between all parties. Mm-hmm. All parties. Yeah, because we're a team. We're working on your behalf, <laughs> you know. So the goal is to get you into the house. So you got to be able to be open and communicate with everybody. Mm-hmm. And have one agent trust your one agent because yes. they're gonna they're gonna be working for you and with you and yeah. solely you and making sure that they're working um, on in your best interest. So I had um, potential buyer clients who um, are like, okay, well, if you could show me this house, but also got my cousin who's an agent who could show me this house, another house that's in the area, you know, just in case you don't have the time to No, I'm showing you that house. Yeah, it's either right. I'm your agent or they're your agent. Oh, right. you know, <laughs> and a lot of times like, you'll have like agents yeah. that'll have you sign like that buyer. Like, exactly. That's what uh, we do. I can't remember exactly what it's uh, called. Buyer agency like, agreement. Yeah, buyer this is another episode. But <laughs> like, hey, if I'm working with you, I'm working with you. But even to a yeah. lender, like to me, like that shows an inconsistency, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm your lender and I'm having communication with your realtor mm-hmm. and then a week later or two days later, you tell me, hey, I've got a new realtor or a new whatever that I'm working with. Right. And I'm like, well, what happened to the the, the last realtor? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I got rid of them because they couldn't show me a house on a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. what? Like, what? Like, why would mm-hmm. you do that? Now I'm kind of looking at you a little bit sideways. Like, am I wasting my time here? Like, yeah. how many other? Same thing to me, right? Yeah, exactly. like, are you doing the same thing to me? Right. If I couldn't return your phone call in yeah. the matter of an in hour, matter of an hour, are like, you going to go oh, with I'm a new lender? To, yeah, <laughs> online and try to find a new lender. Yeah. Right. Like, there's right. there's a level of like respect, and I think a level of like camaraderie that has to be held mm-hmm. between the realtor, the client, and the lender. Yeah. And if one of those things falter, like. Mm-hmm. It it can can change like the whole deal. Yeah. yeah, we have to be a solid team, all on the same page, exactly. in page. order to make sure exactly. that the, you get the home that you want exactly. in a timely fashion. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. And and having that trust, you know, between you and the and, and the client, exactly, that's big. So I'm just gonna wrap this up here. Are there any final? Questions or thoughts? Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, for, no, thank you. Yeah, Brian, for sure. No, thank you for thank the opportunity. You. Like I love yeah. doing stuff like this <laughs> and getting an opportunity you, to talk about what we do. So you did great, despite the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you did the whiskey awesome. just makes me do better. Exactly, like, I, I feel the same better way. And help better. So yeah, I mean, anything any of the viewers or anybody needs, just you know, feel free to reach oh, out yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, Shout out your your tag. Give us all of your information. Yeah, oh, Instagram, yes, everything. Instagram number. Email, all yeah, we'll do it all. Whatever, so yeah. uh, Facebook is uh, Brian Cook, so just first and last name. Uh, direct phone number is 313-373-1866 is my office line. Cell phone is uh, 313-213-2224. Uh, Instagram, KingCook357. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's I'm, I'm here to help. Like, I, I literally enjoy what I do, and I get a rush out of, like, helping people. So, yeah. you know, any questions, anything that you guys need, just feel free to uh, to reach out. And um, even if we're not doing a mortgage right now, if you just need questions or need guidance throughout the process, I'm, I'm here for you guys for sure. Oh, that's good. Awesome. 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 Well, again, thank you. We appreciate you so much for coming Absolutely. out. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. Chatting and drinking with us. Yeah, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Cool. yeah no, oh, yeah, we're going to have you back. <laughs> yeah, no, we are. We are. Thanks to uh, what's that, Detroit City Distillery. Yes, yep. Detroit City Distillery. And Fago. And Fago. Fago's going to help Can't forget Fago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and vanilla rock and rye. I was going to get great, but I didn't think that was going to taste good with whiskey. So <laughs> they didn't have the Coke one in these cool bottles. So. <laughs>
All right. Thank you, guys. It's right, been thanks. a great show. Peace and love is keys and cocktails. All right. Until next Keys and time. cocktails. <laughs>